What's going on, everybody? You're listening to episode six of MNN Sports Talk Podcast. I'm Nick Rivera alongside Mark Morales. Sorry, Mets fans. Today, we're talking Yankees baseball. Mark Morales, Mark Moe, where are you at? I'm here, Nick. And yes, today we are talking Yankees baseball. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for all the jam-packedness. Give me all the goodies. And a little later on, we're going to have a special guest. My uncle, my uncle Tony Morales, will be joining us. Oh um, a little God. later on in the show, um, the he's a big-time Yankee fan, and he loves to talk Yankees, so I'm looking forward to that later on in this episode. But, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great on this fine morning. How are you? I'm doing great, and today is Friday, the best day of the week. Time to relax and get ready for the weekend, huh? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than ready. Yeah, me too. It's been a long week. A long week full of Yankee dubs, except yeah. one. Except one. Yeah, except one. Yankees and... Yeah, the Yankees won three out of four against the Mariners. And let's talk about the game we went to on Monday night. Yeah, that was probably one of my all-time games to go to because first W I witnessed in person. I was like a bad luck charm. Every every sporting event I where I'm going for my team, always catching L. Giants game, L. Multiple Knicks games, L. All my Yankee games, L's. Rangers <laughs> games, L. And I finally witnessed a dub in person. Granted, it was from the nosebleeds, but I witnessed my first dub. Yeah, that was your first win life. <laughs> um, in professional sports, uh, though. Wow, that is insane. <laughs> yep, it's, it's the life I live. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Yankees ended up winning that game 7-3. to three. And, and real quick. That was the first time I've witnessed the Yankee win in person since 2016. Might have been a bad luck charm too, but I mean, to not see any had. victory, wow. to not see any victory in your entire life, that's pretty sad. Yeah, I kind of felt like an Arizona Coyotes fan. Like it was just a, a destiny of L's my whole life. <laughs> yeah, and you know, since 2016, I've been to a few Yankee games too. I think, I think we actually went to one with Eric a few years back. I think that was the last Yankee victory when we went to the Subway Series game against the Mets. Oh, that was the yeah. last time they won with that week that I've been to. Um, and then, you know, I've been to a couple spring training games. They caught two L's back in March. Mm. And then this is the first game of the season I've been to. And like I said, the Yankees won seven to three. And it was pretty much a great game all around. You know, the, the pitching was solid um, for the exception of Jonathan Holder and then CC late in his start. But for the for the most part, the pitching was solid. The the hitting was solid. And the Yankees came out on top. They banged around. uh they knocked out Felix Hernandez, you know, like we, we were talking about this during the game too. And uh, we actually did an Instagram live and we talked about it. Felix Hernandez is just like a shell of himself of himself. Now he's nowhere near the team type of pitcher that he was a couple of years ago. And I even mentioned before the game that uh, Felix Hernandez usually dominates against the Yankees, but he didn't have it on Monday night. He only went five innings, gave up six runs, two strikeouts and a walk. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy to see. I mean, as a Yankees fan, I was loving it. Granted, my only criticism is I wish those my home runs were spread out. I kind of got spoiled, <laughs> and by the third inning, I was, like, ready for non-style homers, and then nothing really happened, uh, like, excitement-wise on that level. But, I mean... Yeah, it, on the offensive end. On the offensive end, yeah. It was, it, was pretty, it was pretty good to watch. I mean, we weren't a huge fan of Jonathan Holder, but I was getting food <laughs> bedtime, so I didn't get to see him. I didn't get to see him choke out there, but... I mean, everyone else I thought was pretty was pretty solid, except <laughs> was it who was who was my guy that went over four? Was that Clint that went over four? I believe so. Legend. Let me just double check. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was over four. 
he didn't do anything that game. He oh. Dropped his batting average to 306. He's still above 300, but he has been struggling a little bit since he came back from the injury. But he's been playing well the past couple of games. He had the fire cleats on, though. Can't hit yeah, every, I know. Every game, he's got something new on his feet. Um, but, yeah, going back to what you were saying, I had, like, the Yankees, the first couple innings, they were just bashing home runs, getting runs, and then there was nothing else. They scored all seven of their runs um, between the first and the third inning. And, and from the third, from the fourth inning on, they didn't score anything. And uh, a little funny story. I think it was the second inning when the two home runs were hit and I was actually in the bathroom and I missed Gardner's home run and then I missed Estrada's first career home run. Oh, that's big mad right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I was a little disappointed about that. But, you know, the, the most important thing is that the Yankees came out on top. I actually predicted a 5-2 to two victory. If you follow us on Instagram, um, it's at MN Sports Talk Pod. That's the same thing as our Twitter. But on Instagram, you know, I, like uh, I did a little video before and I – I predicted the Yankees going five to two and uh, coming out on top. The final score was seven to three, so I wasn't too far off. You were in your first, your first prediction. It was, it was a little, it was a little closer. While we were yeah. uh, recording, you said five three, and then, <laughs> and then the video didn't come out too good. So, like, all right, let's redo that. Uh, ended up being five two. You should have stuck with your guns, man. I don't know what happened. I know I should have stuck with it. And uh, what's funny is that beforehand too, I was gonna say that. Uh, the bats were going to come alive, but I decided not to. I didn't want to, uh, you know, say anything crazy going into the game. But going looking back, I should have just went with my gut feeling. I know. You, you didn't believe. You weren't a believer. You were, you were <laughs> destined to give us these outs. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Clint Frazier. I know we mentioned him a little bit earlier about the shoes and everything, how he went 0 for 4 in that game that we went to. Um, I know you're a big fan of Clint Frazier. I know he was having a good, uh, an above-average season before he got hurt. But to be honest with you, I'm just not that big of a fan of him. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Concussion Clint. That is my <laughs> guy right there. I don't care what anyone says. He's the future. My future outfield is um, I got Judge, I got Hicks, and I got me some Clint. Gar- <laughs> Gardner did the job. I'm sorry, Gardner. It's time. The human thumb, he got to find a new hand. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees, I'm sorry, dude. We drafted you. You've been, you've been. Nah, I don't know about a legend, but you've been, you've been up. He's there. been a, a solid Yankee for the past ten years. He's been a solid. He's been there. He's been, yeah. He's been solid. That's the best I can put it. Not, yeah. not too great. Not too, not bad at all. But I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Human Thumb. You got to be out of there. Hicks is gonna hopefully come back soon. What was the timetable with him? I mean, when he initially hurt himself in spring training, I'm pretty sure it was only a couple of days, and here we are months later and he's still not back and actually mm. i saw an update yesterday apparently he i, I don't know if 100 percent, but apparently he asked to uh not come back right away because his swing is not right something along those lines um so to be honest with you i don't know when we're gonna see aaron hicks back um but going back to clint frazier the um the next three games against the mariners he had one hit and four bats in each game he scored a run last in last night's game um the reason why i'm not that big of a fan of of clint frazier yeah, he so far this season he's shown that he can be a solid MLB player, but you know going back to last year in spring training he suffered the concussion, and you know I know concussions are scary. I know that you know you never want to mess with anything with your brain. If you look at football, the CTE stuff and all that, so I know you never want to mess with your brain. But you know Clint Frazier didn't play at all last year, or for the most part of last year because of these concussion injuries and and because he was never fully ready to go. He never 
was 100%, and I pretty, I don't know 100%, but I think he suffered another one or something like that in a rehab game or something crazy where he had a few concussions um, last season. But, you know, you're not ready to play at all last season. But then all off season, you know, I followed him on social media. Most um, Where I'm getting this info from is from his Instagram. So when following him on Instagram this entire past off season, following his concussion-plagued se- uh, season, he wasn't doing any baseball-related activities until very late in, in the offseason. And people could say, oh, well, maybe he wasn't cleared. Maybe he wasn't ready to play. Maybe his, his vision was still blurred from the concussions. But why was he off snowboarding? Why was he out doing different things like, like sports-related activities? Like, I'm, he went snowboarding with a bunch of his friends. Now, I don't know if he participated in the snowboarding like part of it. But regardless, like, you're still doing all this other stuff and not doing anything baseball-related when you didn't even play for a full year. So that's the only reason why I'm not a big fan. And then people started ragging on him on social media. I was looking through his comments. People were ragging about that, saying, oh, you haven't played, but you're not doing any baseball-related activities. And then once people started complaining and, and calling him out on it, then he started posting the videos. But I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way just seeing him out snowboarding, out doing things with his friends constantly, not doing anything baseball-related when he hasn't played in a full year. That's the only reason why I have a, a problem with him. I don't think he has the drive. I don't think he has the uh, – like that drive to be a great player and I'll let alone be a great Yankee, you know? Uh, I love it. He's living his best <laughs> life. I love it, Clint. Keep it up. Don't let don't let the marks of the world bring you down. <laughs> as long as uh, that bat speed is there, he's got a place in left field. As soon as that bat speed dips, you gotta join the human hand somewhere. <laughs> but as long as that that beautiful bat speed, oh I, I can't get enough. Did you see his swing? I'm sorry. No, yeah, he has a great swing. It's very quick. His hands are quick. I get it. I know he's a good player, but I, I, like I said, just I have a little beef with him not doing anything this past offseason, but he's going out snowboarding and doing all this stuff when he couldn't even play. No, I like it. I like. I feel like him especially, more, more or less maybe kind of the overall build of the team, but I, I think he could – I hate using this term like the culture of a team – but I feel like he could kind of drive it to like a not a new identity, but kind of kind of bridge the gap between the old school way of the Yankees and kind of like a new age. Mm-hmm. I could see him doing that just because like his personality, like the cleats, social media, just like him in interviews. I I could just see it happening, and I'm I'm a big fan of Clint. Concussion Clint is my guy. I'm about to get a jersey. I'm about to rock that seventy-seven. And I have to agree with you that he's not that he's like changing the culture in a bad way, but he's kind of bridging the gap between the old school Yankees and the new school Yankees. And I have to agree because a couple of weeks ago, do you remember? I don't know if you heard about this, um, but do you remember when it came out that like when the Yankees were struggling um, back in the beginning of the season and they finally got a win? I forgot who they were playing. I think it was against the Royals or whatever. Um, It was before the West Coast trip. So I think it was against the Royals. And um, apparently the reporter said that right before they went in, there was some fog in the clubhouse that was like seeping out from under the door or like when they opened the door or whatever. And apparently like CC went on ESPN or I think it was an interview or whatever. And he said that, yeah, we celebrate wins by like blasting music, having strobe lights and having fog machines in the clubhouse before the reporters come in. And to be honest with you, I think that's Clint's doing. I think Clint is the one that introduced that, like, yeah, let's celebrate a win and brought the strobe lights, brought the fog machine. Now I, I don't have a problem with it. I know people do have a problem, but to go to your point, I think that's like I think that has to do with Clint Frazier. And that's his way of like bridging the the old school with the new school. 
Yeah, I remember remember hearing about that, and everyone was moaning and complaining. They were like, oh, um, if, like, a team like the Mets in the market that New York is, if the Mets did that, everyone would be calling them a clown show. Like, you're celebrating regular season wins. Blah, Especially blah, that they've been struggling. Especially been in, like, uh, in a spe- I think it was heightened because it was the Red Sox series. Like, they won mm. one game against them. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, the Red Sox game. Everyone was bugging out, like, oh, this isn't the Yankee way. And, like, I've heard on so many different media platforms, radio shows, TV shows, on social media. And I was like, how much of an old man do you have to be where <laughs> you, you like, hate on people for – it's not like they're doing it in the public eye. Like, they're doing it in their locker room. They're celebrating a win. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, what do you, I don't understand the issue with it. Like, they're not, yeah. like, bragging. They're not, like, going – on like uh social media saying ah we got that w like yeah blah 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 Mm -hmm. this 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 like they're in their own locker room like having fun as a team like (laughs) get out of my face like let them (laughs) do their thing like i don't don't understand the issue with that like you're just being a everyone i just thought that was like build man uh attitude towards that yeah i agree and i think the reason why a lot of people had issues with it was because a they could be part of the older generation where they were with the Joe Torres, the Derek Jeters of the world, and, you know, the the George Steinbrenner type of clubhouse. But um, I think another reason why people could have issues with it, too, is because at the time that they were doing this, the Yankees were struggling. They weren't playing good baseball. They had tons of injuries. And people were looking at it like, Yankees, look, you know, you're not playing well. You're under 500. I think they were under 500 at the time. I don't remember the exact record, but they were either around 500, maybe a game above or or a game below. Either way, they were like looking at them like, Yankees, you know, you're not playing well. You have tons of injuries. You're not doing well standings-wise. Why are you celebrating this win? And I think people lose the fact that baseball is a 162-game season. It's it's a lot of time that you spend with these guys. So why not enjoy the little things, the little wins? Because I think – a, it takes away from the game when you when you take the fun out of it. And B, you know, maybe these players just get disinterested throughout the season because, you know, it's not fun. There's no fun involved. And with the pressure of constantly having to win or it's like you either win and you're happy or you lose and you're miserable. I don't think it should be like that for the Yankees because I think that takes away from the players because then they're always playing all uh, tense like, oh, my God, we have to win. Otherwise, it's the end of the world. So I think having this little camaraderie after wins, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, like and there's nothing wrong with the – the attitude of always wanting to win and always having this pressure because they are the Yankees. They do have the most championships at any American sports team. They're probably the most recognizable sports team on the like American aspect of it. Like if you go to like random countries, like there's people rocking Yankee hats that don't even like, yeah. know what it means. You see the insignia everywhere. Yeah. Like it's just the power of the brand. It helps that it's in New York, but I feel like, with winning 27 championships in like any city like that, I feel like they'd have similar exposure. It just helps that they're in New York, but I, I kind of like the, the changing of the guard in the aspect where they don't have to be so buttoned up all the time. The, they could be, I like how they're embracing like the evil empire and like branding is like being like Darth Vader and like the empire from star Wars. And like, they're seeing like the game of Thrones, like all that, aspects mm-hmm. of it and like they're just known that i like how they're like through the social media aspect it seems like they're kind of embracing being like the, big the villain bad guy yeah they're being the villain to to other um fan bases who aren't who aren't a fan of the yankees and i kind of like that and i like the fact that they're celebrating these wins i think it's like good for them in general and i feel like as they move forward and go towards the playoff it makes like they're 
more or less their bond strong. And I feel like they'll, they'll want to push for these big moments if they're allowed to celebrate little things that they want, they're able to. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Now I think it's important to talk about the Yankee success. And then we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but you know, these Yankees, they're, they've been playing some pretty good baseball. They're 22 and 15. They're second place in the AL East behind the, the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know in the beginning of the season, especially with all the, uh, with all the injuries, a lot of people didn't think the Yankees were going to be able to stay afloat before all their big guys came back. And, you know, since the beginning of the season, the Yankees are only a game and a half back of the Rays. Now, I know the Rays started off super hot, but they kind of like, they kind of like stuttered a little bit um, since, their, since their hot start. And that's how the Yankees were able to make, to make up the ground that, they, that they've lost in the beginning of the season. But, you know, a big part of the reason why, like, the Yankees aren't themselves is, is because of the injuries. And let's just do a quick little rundown of the injuries. Um, these are as of today. Um, Dellen Betances is out with the shoulder injury. He doesn't seem like he's going to come back anytime soon. He was just transferred recently to the 60-day IL. And we probably aren't going to see him again until, until around June. Greg Bird has been hurt since, uh, since for a couple of weeks now, like right? 2014, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been hurt constantly <laughs> since he came into the league. But he's out with the plantar fasciitis in his foot. Jacoby Ellsbury, he's been – no one even knows what's going on with him. I feel like every time I talk about him, it's a new injury. I feel like I, feel I like, haven't seen him play since he was on the Red Sox. Like. I feel like the Yankees don't even want him to play, so they just keep making up injuries. <laughs> like, think about it. Like, every single time that he's supposed to come back from the injury that he had, there's always something else. I, to be honest with you, maybe the Yankees are hurting him because they, they don't want him to play. Like, not even joking, like, 100%, like, dead serious. Like, I forgot he was on a team, like, like yeah. uh, for a while now. And the crazy part is, if they win a ring, if they win a championship, he's probably going to get a ring. Why? Yeah, and he hasn't he played in years. He, he, when was the last time he played, honestly? Like 2016, maybe? Uh, had to be, because it was definitely before Stanton came. Because if he was healthy, they wouldn't have traded for him. Um, yeah, I'm going to say maybe like 16, man. That's insane. Or 17, maybe? Well, we got Stanton last year, right? Yeah, so this is the second year with Stanton. Yeah, probably two years ago. That's Like insane. early two years ago. So what is he doing? Just chilling on his couch, like rehabbing, I guess. Playing I don't know if he's show. in Tampa or or wherever, but um, yeah, apparently, according to Baseball Reference, he has been transferred to the sixty day IL um, after he missed last season with hip and foot injuries. There is no timetable for return. What and they this have him IL thing become a thing? Remember... They have him listed as a hip injury, but the IL, yeah, it just started this year. And I, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I get why they're doing it. But it's just another example of like how like. We have become soft as a society in America. Um, <laughs> the reason why is because it used to be called the DL, which was the uh, disabled list because you were hurt. But because they don't want – I don't remember – I don't know who complained about it. I don't know how it's how this like this um, how this started. But it turned into the IL, which is now the injured list, because they don't want the players who are hurt to be called disabled or they don't want it, the word the term disabled to be taken the wrong way. Something along those lines. Just another, like I said, another example of we've become soft because I think the players didn't want to be called disabled or maybe like they didn't want to offend the people who are actually disabled. I don't know. It was something along those lines. So they switched it from the DL to the IL for this season. But to be honest with you, listening to radio shows and TV shows, people always say the DL and like slip up by accident. So I think it's going to take a couple of years. There's going to be like a whole generation of people who are going to forever call it the DL. And then the new guys who are born from here on out are going to forever call it the IL. I, uh, every time I hear, like, I started hearing it, like, a couple months back, and I was mad confused. I was like, huh? And, like, yeah, I never It takes a little that. time to get used to it. And I was never, like, adjusted to it, because, yeah, like you said, like, people, like, occasionally...
it would say DLRI on and be like back and forth. I'm like, so is that like a new phrase that like people just started saying? But then I saw it was like an official <laughs> thing. I was like, oh, that's news to me. Yeah. I never, mm -hmm. I never saw that. <laughs> um, and then another guy that's hurt that that's, was very important for the Yankees last year, Didi Gregorius, and he's still rehabbing his Tommy John surgery and his throwing arm. I think it was his non-throwing arm actually. Um, I forgot how he hurt it. Did he hurt it like sliding into a second base or sliding into a base or something? Yeah, wasn't it in the playoffs that like? Yeah, it was. It was against the, the Red, Red Sox. Sox. When yeah, he like slid. It was either second or like home. I think it was. Yeah, home. I don't remember. I think he was. Yeah, like, I think it was home. I think he was like trying to score a run. Yeah, it definitely wasn't in the game where they like lost like thirty nothing because I don't think yeah. anyone was running hard that game. But. <laughs> um, yeah, and then another one, Ben Heller, who's probably not that important Ooh. to the Yankee staff. <laughs> But he's been traded to the 60-day IL. He probably won't be back until the middle of July because he's also recovering from Tommy John. Um, like we just mentioned earlier in the show, Aaron Hicks, who's struggling with the back injury. Um, he's actually – it says here that he's expected to return Monday against the Orioles. Who is so, Aaron Hicks? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, and then Aaron Judge. You know, we're going to talk about this later on with uh, my uncle, my uncle Tony, but just a little preview of it now. You know, I, I'm starting to think that Judge is injury-prone. Now, I want to save, like, the reasons why for later to – just because I don't want to spoil it all now, but that's just where I'm going to kind of get at later, that I'm starting to think that Judge is injury-prone. I don't know if you want to if you want to say anything about that, Nick, but, you know, this is now two years in a row where he's had a significant injury. I know last year really wasn't his fault, but, you know, it's two years in a row now, and I'm starting to think that he's going to be like a big man in the NBA where he's just constantly hurt. I don't know. The only thing I know is that I'm going to propose um, a name change for Seinbrenner. I want – Instead of the Yankees, I want, like, a default logo where it's, like, the New York Glass Joes. <laughs> <laughs> I want, like, a crutch. It's, like, instead of a baseball bat, like, the, the Yankee hat, I want, like, a crutch with the Yankee hat. Mm -hmm. Everyone... And it's crazy because all these, like, Yankees, they're not getting hurt, like, running into somebody or, or by throwing a baseball or whatever. It's, like, you had Miggy tearing his shoulder, sliding into third base. Um, Didi Gregorius tearing up his elbow, sliding into home or second base, wherever it was. And then you have Aaron Judge pulling his oblique muscle, swinging a bat. Like, it's just crazy how, like, they're getting all these injuries from not really, like, you would think that these are the type of injuries you get by running into the wall or running into another play or, or you know, like, stepping on, on, the, on the bag and twisting your ankle. But, no, it's just freak accidents. I heard uh, Chapman tore uh, a tendon in his hand trying to take a swig of some Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's talking about pitchers, you know, the next one injured on this list is Jordan Montgomery. He hasn't been back at all. He, he had Tommy John surgery last year, so he's probably going to come back at some point in August. Um, and then James Paxton, you know, I talked about this a lot early on to you, to my, to my family, to other friends. And I don't know if we mentioned this a little bit during the, the MLB preview podcast. We did a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago, but you know, I spot, I talked about James Paxson being an injury prone player. He's had multiple injuries early on in the season, but thankfully it was nothing like on his pitching elbow or his pitching shoulder, but he always missed some time. And I'm pretty sure I, like I, I said previously, I think last year was one of the first years where he didn't get hurt and he was able to pitch really well for a full season. And I, I said multiple times that I'm not expecting him to come in and be an ace the way Justin Verlander was the ace for the Astros when they acquired him. But here we go again. James Paxton hurt. It's with his knee. He has been placed on the 10-day IL due to left knee inflammation. And he's expected to be sidelined for at least three weeks. So, you know, this could go either way. If he's not comfortable landing. Now, I don't, I don't know which knee it is. Oh, it's his left knee. So he's a lefty pitcher. So that's his drive leg. And if, he, if he's not feeling comfortable, he might not be back in those three weeks. So I, this is 
just another another thing that I think the Yankees were being a little cheap and not going out and getting starting pitching. And now when you go and trade for a guy like James Paxson, who has never been an ace but has been injury prone, this is what happens. Yeah, I don't understand why the New York Yankees didn't double down on getting some pitching. Like, even if you can ever have too many starting pitchers, like you already have the best bullpen in the league. You have solid offense, if not one of the top offenses, if they're actually, you know, hitting and not striking out. And I, I just, I just, even if you, like, who was it that they were going to sign, but they didn't want to give them the six year? Um, was that Patrick Corbin? Oh, the yeah, pitcher? that was Corbin. Yeah, the guy that I wanted the Yankees to get. That's that's the guy you're willing to give him uh, millions of dollars, however big the deal was. Was it like 20 a year or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember the exact. I think it was something like along those lines. five for 80. I don't even remember, honestly. But it was like, oh, yeah, the Yankees offered him five at this money, but he wanted like the same salary-wise just one more year, and they said no. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> what is what I know you don't it's not like it's not the difference between a three-year deal and a seven-year deal it's one extra year and if that mm-hmm. if if in the meantime in like the first two or three years of the deal ends up bringing you to far the playoff if you end up doing a championship but I think they should just spend it now and then say the last two years of the deal he's not so great whatever I feel like it's worth it to have like the better end in the beginning and have a solid pitching core right now as they kind of figure it out later on. Because now, like you mm-hmm. said, now uh, Paxson is hurt. Um, Sevy is still hurt. He's probably not going to come back till like 2024. Um, <laughs> CC is like uh, 53. He's like he's retiring after he's this year. So we have one more year with right him. Now. Um, <laughs> J.A. Happ is like kind of beans. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand what their like inclination was to signing pitching. They signed one guy. They signed Paxton. Like, well, I, they traded for him. They didn't even sign yeah, him. They traded for him. Like, and they I, traded away their best prospect, their best pitching prospect for him. Like they're they've been like with the starting pitching wise, they've been having a lot of busts. Like you remember uh, Sonny Gray? Yeah, even he's hurt now this year too. He was supposed to be our savior. And what was he? Yeah. A bum. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, and, Sonny Gray, you're a bum. <laughs> and to be fair, I mean, Tanaka really hasn't been all that either. I mean, I mean, if you look at his whole body of work with the Yankees, yeah, it's been like respectable. But when he came to the American, when he came to America, he was looked at as like a god. Remember, he was undefeated the season prior to signing with the Yankees with his uh, with his team in Japan. He was undefeated. I think he was like 24 and 0 with the ridiculous ERA. So when he came over, he was expected to be this really, like, dominant pitcher. And then, I mean, I know he had that, that elbow injury. I know his elbow is torn, and it's pretty much like a ticking time bomb waiting to explode because he has yet to get the surgery for it. But, I mean, he's still been serviceable, but he's, he's never, he was never, like, that dominant pitcher that the Yankees expected. Uh, I, I agree, but at the same time, I like Tanaka. Tanaka's he's been, just very been inconsistent. one of my guys. He is inconsistent, but when he's on, I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. And to be fair with Pax, I know we were killing him, but he he has been pitching. I mean, the first couple of his of first couple of his starts this season, he wasn't like great. But the last two before he got hurt, he was dominant. Like against the Red Sox, and then the start right after, he was dominant. But you know, unfortunately, he got hurt. And what's to say now that this knee injury is going to affect how he plays for the rest of the season? You know, this might the 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 two dominant starts that we saw might have been his two best for the whole season. Now, ooh, that hurted. <laughs> That did oh, that just shook me in my bones. Like I'm already <laughs> picturing now that the the Yankees don't have him or 
he's just going to be a, a quack for the rest of the season. I really hope not. I mean, I think he was kind of adjusting, getting settled in, and I think the last two starts, those would have been like what he was on the majority side of the pitching. I think he would have been pretty solid this season if he didn't get hurt, but this will probably change everything. I hope it doesn't, but I guess it's Yeah, good. I hope it doesn't too, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, we spoke a little about Luis Severino. We all know that he's dealing with the, sho- the shoulder injury. He was transferred to the 60-day IL, and he's receiving treatment for inflammation in his right shoulder, his right rotator cuff. There's a grade 2 lash strain, and he's really not expected to return until after the All-Star break. So we might not see our ace until the, the end of the season. And that's going to be a huge blow, especially if he's not 100%. Because then how are we going to, like, if we don't see how he performs this year, like, say they, they sit him out all year, and then we have to wait till next year. How do we know how he's going to perform? And even if they do bring him back, what happens if he sucks? Like, what are we, what are we to expect <laughs> moving forward? Because if you that, remember, he didn't, so he didn't play a lot. He didn't play well last year. He had a great first half, and then he, he, he was horrible the second half. He used to go, yeah, what if he comes back and he sucks? Like, yeah, but he's – Sevy is now my ace. You, you rag on my guy, concussion Clint, but you don't bury Severino for coming out to well, – remember the playoff game? It was like a 7.30 start time. He came out at like 7.31. He's like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> was that the uh, the wild card game when yeah, uh, when DD like saved the Yankee season? Weren't we, at, we were at school, right? We were yeah. in our house. Mm-hmm. That was that game? Yeah, that was when like Gary like – <laughs> showed up madly. Sevy comes out at a seven at seven twenty eight for a seven thirty start game, and everyone's like, "What is going on right now?" Yeah, he clearly wasn't ready to go in that wild card game against the Twins. I think it was mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and you could just tell he was very erratic. And I remember actually, I don't know if I said this to you or maybe to like, I think it was like either Bernadelli or Jack who was with us. Um, but I, I remember saying like, "This doesn't look good." Like his velocity was up, but he was wild, and I I, I assumed that maybe it was just like. You know, he was nervous or whatever, like the jitters got to him. But from the very first pitch, when it was like a, it was like 98 miles an hour, like if it was like 100 miles an hour, but it was straight up and it, the ball just sailed on him. I was like, here we go. I knew from that. I knew from the first pitch, it wasn't going to be a good outing. This is my Severino. <laughs> and then <clears throat> the last two guys that are hurt now is Giancarlo Stanton and Troy Tulowitzki. And with Stanton, he uh, he was placed in the 10-day IL due to a grade one left bicep strain earlier in the season. He he received a cortisone injection in his left shoulder, and I'm pretty sure the injection in his left shoulder was towards the end of his rehab with his left bicep strain. Um, my thinking is that they, the Yankees expected him to be back, and they probably knew about his shoulder like bothering him a little bit. So instead of waiting for the shoulder to get worse, they decided to treat it while he was treating his bicep strain. So that's why he hasn't been back yet. Um, but he's expected to return during the middle of May, according to baseball reference. So, I mean – that's a big part of your lineup that they're missing too. But, you know, there's something interesting I want to say, but we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but it has to do with Stanton and Judge and the fact that they're all out. But I'll get into that a little bit later. But then finally, the last guy hurt, and I feel like we've been talking about this for like 30 minutes already, these injuries, just to, goes to show you how much, like how many injuries the Yankees have suffered. Troy Tulowitzki. Tulo, no. He was placed in the 10-day IL a couple of uh, weeks back from a left calf strain that he suffered. Um he suffered a setback during his rehab and is not expected to return until the end of May. Ooh, I heard it. I really, I really was digging the, the Tulo signing. It was one year. I was really hoping he'd do well, but in the back of my, in the back of my mind, deep down in my bone gristles, I knew he was going to get hurt. And guess what? He did. And I said, nice. Cause I remember in, um, 
spring training, everyone was ragging on him for like, what did he do? Did he like either like celebrate like a home run and like yeah, he hit a home run and then he was like jumping around a little bit as he ran up to first, which I didn't have an issue with. Yeah, there goes again with the some people just can't be happy seeing other people enjoying themselves, but <laughs> that's not my business. But I, I was happy to see. I liked seeing him in a Yankee uniform and I, I was digging it. And I think that if he, it's not too late, but I think that if he comes back and has a decent season, I think that they they should and could resign him. Yeah, I mean, but Theo, uh, Estrada's been playing well, Urshela's been playing well, and Didi's supposed to be back. So um, I'm not sold yet on the re-signing up to Lewitsky because if he doesn't come back till the end of the month, like end of May, right, he pretty much only has two months to really find himself and prove that he can still play baseball. Because to be honest with you, if Tulowitzki's struggling, what's to say that Boone's not just going to keep Estrada in at shortstop? Or what's to say he's not going to put Glaber at shortstop and leave LeMahieu at second base? You know what I mean? So I think they're not really paying too low much. Um, the Blue Jays are, p- are paying like 90% of his salary. So the Yankees could end up cutting him if they, if they feel like they don't need him. But I'm not sold on, the, on re-signing him just yet. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we started off this segment talking about how the Yankees have been playing really well despite the injuries. The Yankees are a game and a half back of the, uh, of the AL East. They are 22-15 and 15 despite the 12 injuries that they have, and for the majority of them, they're really big. Like, Dylan Batant is, a, is an important part of your bullpen. Greg Berg, say what you want, but he was expected to be the starting first baseman um, of the Yankees. Didi Gregorius was a big-time um, was a big time bat, too. He was a great defender. Aaron Hicks is your starting center fielder. Judge, obviously, we all know how, how important Judge is to, to the Yankees and to baseball. Jordan Montgomery was in your starting rotation last year. James Paxson was supposed to be your, your secondary ace. Luis Severino was supposed to be your ace. Stanton is an is a MVP caliber player. And, you know, these are just all important players that you are missing. And yet the Yankees are finding success in any way possible. And a, re- a big reason why is because all the young guys are stepping up, like Estrada, like Urshela. <clears throat> They're really stepping up to the plate. Talkman every now and then has his moments. And it just shows, like, the Yankees are a deep team. And the one thing that I was getting at earlier when I was talking about, like, oh, like, the, like the Yankees are finding for ways. And I mentioned, like, despite missing Judge and Stanton, you know, the Yankees aren't relying on the home run. Their strikeouts are, are, their strikeouts are down. They're, I mean, their home runs, they're not hitting home runs at the record pace that they were last year, but they're also not striking out a lot. And they're finding a lot more success playing the small ball type of game. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Stanton and Judge come back, because those are your home run hitters. Didi's another home run hitter, too. I mean, I know he's never hit 30 home runs in a season, but he's been getting close. And if he didn't miss time, he could definitely reach 30. But, you know, you're missing three big power bats right there. And to be honest with you, obviously you want Judge in the lineup. Obviously you want Stanton and Gregorius in the lineup, but if they come back and strike out a bunch of times, how's that helping your team when you have these young guys that get the bat on the ball, get base hits, hit for a high average, bunt when you need to, like Tyler Wade. He, he can't hit the ball to save his life, but when he's been asked to bunt in big situations, he, he gets the ball, he gets the bat on the ball and gets the bunt down. You know, like, I, I was listening to uh, the radio a couple days ago, and one of the callers made a great point. He said that the Yankees are finding ways to play, are finding ways to win because they're not relying on the home run. And they're not striking out as much. And, you know, that's that's very true. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, like since I don't understand this obsession with uh, with hitting home runs and, oh, that's like the sexy thing to do in baseball. And that's what people are getting paid money to do. But I, I just don't understand it. Like if like when you see people like especially nowadays with the defensive shift, there's these huge gaps 
and like you're you're a professional baseball player and they're basically giving you a free single or a free mm-hmm. double if you just hit it. Like I, I don't understand why you would prefer to try to pull it. Try to hit a home run and risk striking out rather than just taking the free base and then boom, now you have a greater chance to score runs and, you know, win the game. Yeah, because when you think about it, if you have a man on second, if you have a man on first base and a man on second base with no outs, right, and you have a guy up at plate, up at the bat, uh, up at the plate, excuse me, and he strikes out, now you have one out and none of the guys move the base. But if you have a guy that could get the bat on the ball, regardless if he records an out or not, if you can move the runners, you're at least doing something. And then if you have a man on second and third and two outs, right, and you have a guy up there that's a home run or nothing and he strikes out, now you have nothing. You left two guys stranded. When you could have had a guy, let's just say a DJ LeMahieu type of player who gets into the box and is not looking for a home run but gets a little cheap single, um, opposite field single. Now you have one run that definitely scores, possibly two. So it's just – it's very different. It's a very different dynamic when you have this Yankees team right now who plays the small ball, who plays for the high average and the base hits, rather than when the Yankees are fully healthy. And, yeah, they might strike out 200 times – um, like per person in a season, but they're also going to hit you 300 home runs as a team. You know, it's it's just very two dynamic, very two different types of teams. Yeah, I don't like the the home run hittings. Like last year, like you saw, like what it could do. Like Gary Sanchez hit like <laughs> like below 100. Like he was, he was like 180 or something. He was trash. But like, if you could just focus on hitting the ball, like. I'm, I promise you, you'll hit home runs if you don't even try, if you just hit the ball. Yeah. Like if, but if you're trying to hit a home run, half the time you're either just going to strike out or just hit a huge pop-up behind, it's just going to go nowhere. Like I, mm-hmm. I say just don't even think about it and just go out there with the intention of trying to hit the ball. If they give you these huge open gaps, maybe you try to influence the ball to go more towards that direction so you have a greater chance of getting on base. But yeah, what do I and know? it's cra- analytics. It's crazy. Yeah, analytics. But it's crazy because, like, you know, these guys are professional baseball players. They are paid millions of dollars to play baseball. So what do you think they do, like, during the offseason or in off games? If, if they are practicing, they're on a tee, they're in the batting cage, how hard is it to just practice bunts, getting a bunt down the third baseline if you're a, if you're a, uh, a lefty batter and they're, they're playing you for the shift or if you're a righty batter, just get a, base down the, uh, a bunt down the first baseline or just practice opposite field hitting. Like like you said, they're literally giving you a, a base hit. You have a chance to make your batting average better and a chance for, to make you look better as a baseball player. So like like to your point, instead of trying to pull the ball and hit a home run where you end up rounding into the, the, the shortstop who's playing short right field, why don't you just push the ball the other way? It doesn't even have to be a 100-mile-per-hour hit. Just get the ball down the third baseline or down the first baseline, wherever there the gap is, and get the single. It's not hard. But for some reason, these guys just can't bunt, and it's like they don't even want to try. Well, and if they do bunt, it's not like they're going to run. Like, <laughs> you got players like Machado in the World Series. That could potentially be the only time he's ever in the World Series for his career, and he doesn't run out his single. <laughs> yeah, I know. Blew my mind. Easily <laughs> I, could have been a, a double, maybe a triple if he hustled the whole time. But I can't make this up. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't um, get over that. I don't think I ever will. But I think it's very important to talk about DJ LeMahieu now. I mean, he's been such a great acquisition for the Yankees. And when the Yankees signed him, I immediately said, you can go back and check my Twitter if you don't believe me, at official Mark Mo. Ooh, I, said, I said this was going to be a great, great signing. And people were worried because 
when he, I mean, for the majority of his career, he played in Colorado and he won a batting title in Colorado in 2016. He was a two-time all-star in 15 and 17. And when he won the batting title, he was batting 348. And people are saying, um, oh, well, his numbers are a little inflated because he played in Colorado and the numbers are always going to be inflated, the mile high, whatever, whoever you want to say. But I said, no, I don't know. I mean, he's a baseball player. If he could hit for a high average in Colorado, I mean, that pretty much shows you he could hit for a high average. I mean, he's a baseball player. And for the majority of his career, he's a career 299 hitter. And he played his first season with the Cubs. So, I mean, he's a proven hitter. And this season with the Yankees, he is batting 344, just an outstanding. And I'm pretty sure that leads the league or leads the American League. Um, but he's just been an outstanding player for this team. He's had a couple of – I think he's had a one walk-off hit, which was um, I think like a week ago or something like that. But he's just been playing phenomenal. His defense is good. But they signed him to hit for a high average and not strike out. And what has he done this season? He's hit for a high average at 344, and he's struck out only 18 times this year. He is, he's only struck out only 100 times once, which is back in 2015. This is a guy that can get the bat on the ball like we were just talking about. Yeah, I, I kind of love the DJ signing. He's like the all-around utility player. That like you could. Be, I think he gels with everyone, too. Like, yeah. just, it seems like it's just the, the Scranton Yankees and DJ LeMahieu, and they're just winning ball games, and I, I absolutely love it. And I mm-hmm. honestly, I can see – I feel like DJ is what – he's like – I feel like DJ and Tulo are the same people, and I kind of wanted Tulo to be the kind of player that DJ was. And I don't think I didn't think that DJ would be this good, but if he's gonna keep this up, I want him on the team forever, man. Yeah, it's been a great signing all around. Um, he just seems like he's not slowing down at all. I'm like, geez, dude. Yeah, and it helps too that life? he, and it helps that he could play multiple multiple positions. He could play third. He could play short. He could play second. I don't know if he could play outfield, but. I mean, if they need him, I'm sure he could he could help out. I know Tyler Wade could play a little outfield, but I know they sent him back down to the to uh, the minors. But but yeah, I mean, like you said, he gels with everybody, and and I think it it also helps that he could play multiple positions. But now I really want to talk about the Yankees' corner infield situation, and you know they're having problems at third base. They have a dilemma at first base, and I, I want to know your take on this because you know. The Yankees went into the season thinking Andujar was going to have a repeat or somewhat of a repeat of the season he had last year, where a lot of people, baseball-wide, Yankee fan or not, believe that Andujar was robbed of Rookie of the Year to Otani because of Otani, the way he pitches and bats, even though he was hurt for about 80% of the season. But, wow, shots fired. Let him know how you really feel. <laughs> but Andujar, we all know he suffered the injury early on this season where he slid back into third base. He ended up tearing his shoulder. And a lot of people thought that this could have gone either two ways, either A, he could be gone for the whole season having uh, surgery on his shoulder, and then we don't see him again until 2020. Or B, which is the way he did, which is the, the route he did take, was that he was just going to rehab it as best he can and try to get back at some point this season. And he is back, and I saw this stat today, earlier this morning. He is batting two for 22 since coming back. Ooh, that's and, delicious. You know, uh, I really hope the Yankees don't give up on Andujar because I think he can be a really great player. He showed it last year. He bat, He was um, he hit 297 with – I'm pulling it up now. Of course, this internet wants to be slow. Um, last season, he hit 297 with 27 home runs and 92 RBIs and 149 games. So he's a very, like, serviceable player. Now, I know his defense wasn't really great, but, I mean, offensively, he's a great player. So I really hope the Yankees don't give up on him. But, you know, it's really hard to say that when you have a guy like Gio Urshela 
who wasn't expected to be on the Yankees at all this year. And he's come out and really has played. Now he's, he's played in spurts between 2015. He didn't play at all in 2016. He played in spurts, the Yankees again in 17 and 18. Um, but you know, this season in 29 games, Urshel is batting 354 um, with two home runs, 11 RBIs. Now the power numbers aren't like important here. The, what's important is his, is his batting average, a high batting average. And the fact that he is a great, great defenseman. Now, what happens if Urshela becomes legit, Nick? Like, what do you do? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not keen on Andujar. The only reason I kind of like what I really liked him last year is just because of the huge offensive numbers. But I don't really think that that's not necessarily that that's not the real Andujar. I just think that he won't really sustain that over, like, however long his career is. Now, mm-hmm. if he comes back and it's, like, somewhat, I don't think he's going to hit, like, almost 300 every year. But if he's mm-hmm. going to come back, be the solid player that he was, and, yeah, but I know it's way too early to tell, but if Ursh, how do you say it? I've been saying Urshela. I heard people say Urshela. <laughs> yeah, I, b- I believe it's Urshela. Gio oh, Urshela. Dan, that let me down. I was kind of hoping it was Urshela. I'm going to call him Urshela. Well, <laughs> Urshela, if he – if it's way too early to tell, but if Urshela, Urshela – continues to hit the way he has for like relatively consistent and and Duhar could go kick rocks because (laughs) and Duhar is a third baseman who can't play third base and they kind of get me a little a little upset last year it was he's basically Gary Sanchez defensively wise just uh exacerbated Gary Sanchez is a catcher who can't catch but at least he got a cannon and uh and Duhar is a third baseman who can't play third base and it's kind of mind-boggling but if Rochella could be the player that Andujar is not, but if he could have maybe not all of the hitting, but like maybe like three fourths of it, but come close to his hitting ability, then I'll take Rochella over uh, Andujar. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, Urshela is 27, and when he played, he played 81 games back in 2015, but he was only 23 years old. He hit 225 with six runs, 21 RBIs. And like I said, he's been playing in spurts since then. 2017, he played in 67 games, batted 224. And then last year, came came up for 19 games. He did bat 233. So this is the first time that Urshel has really shown that he can he can play in the big leagues. And I, I do agree. I think it's way too early to tell with Urshel. It's only been 29 games. But at the same time, with the whole Miggy thing, I don't. I think it's too early to make that decision. I, I agree with you. I think we have to see how Urshela plays throughout the rest of the year. I do think at this point in time, though, even looking at, at Andujar's season last year, I think Urshela is the better defense defensive third baseman. But I think offensively, I think right now you still have to give it to Miggy. I know he's struggling this year. I know he's two for 22 since coming back from the injury. But this is a major injury, and this is this has to do with his, his uh, rotator cuff or something along like in his shoulder. So you never want to like, you never want to push that because it could obviously be something worse. And the fact that this could have been an injury where he could have been sidelined for the entire year and he only missed a few weeks, maybe like a month and a half or something like that, that goes to show you that he's definitely not 100%. If this was an injury that was going to sideline for a year and he's back a month later, of course he's going to struggle. And I think that's what we're seeing. And to be honest with you, I'd rather not mess with Miggy and then, you know, show that he can't hit. And then people are going to start saying, oh, well, you have Rochella who's been playing great. Now, I, I don't think there should be any competition. But if Rochella continues to play, why not just sit Miggy if he continues to struggle? And be like, look, dude, you get ready. Don't worry. We're not trading you. We're not giving up on you yet because they haven't given up on Greg Bird, and it's been almost a decade now. I know I'm exaggerating. It hasn't been a decade, but it's been years, and they haven't given up on Bird. But I think they should sit him down and be like, look, you're our third baseman. Rochella's been playing, been playing great, but you're hurt, and we understand that. We're not trading you. We're not giving up on you. 
go get better and we'll see how you are either later in the year or next year. Yeah, I was, I was a little – I was thinking about it, and I was a little harsh when I told Andujar he could go kick rocks because the guy who could really go kick rocks is Greg Bird, that bum over there. But <laughs> if if we're talking the left side of the infield, uh, I'd rather have defense. Like, if if Urshela's playing fine, um, I think we just leave him in until he starts to count. Andujar, say, like, in a few weeks – or however long it is from now, he's like they determined that he's fully recovered, blah blah blah. But if Urshela is like playing fine and still playing at this level, I say you just leave him in until until like he's at a consistent slump or a consistent decline. Then maybe you try to slip in Anduhar there, see how he's doing, and if he comes mm-hmm. back to the normal level, kind of leave him in from there. And I could I kind of see you could just kind of rotate them in and out, and necessarily not a competition because. I don't really think it's. Mm, I don't. It's it's hard though, because like when uh, when someone gets hurt, you don't want them to lose their position. But at the same time, if someone fills their position and plays at a relatively similar level, you kind of it's hard to justify taking them out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Brady, he came in for the injured quarterback and replaced him, and that guy never played again. Pesta Verdi, rest in peace. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then we take a look at first base, and you know there's a dilemma in out first base. You have Greg Bird, who's who's on the IL again with plantar fasciitis, and it's just very evident I, now that wait, yes, I gotta cut you off. I said Testa Verde, it was Drew Blood. <laughs> I'm bugging out right now. I was, and I you're the football it, guy. Like, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Drew Blood, so wow, that, good, was, that was crazy. I right, continue. My fault. <laughs> it's all good. It happens. Um, but the Greg Bird thing, I think it's very evident now that he is injury prone and I think it is time to finally move on from Greg Bird and the reason why is because you have a legitimate MLB player in Luke Voigt who can play first base and could hit at a high level and I think it's time now to just let Voigt just take over and I think it's shown because when Bird was playing in the beginning of the season he was struggling and let me just pull up the stats for you um, this season, he appeared in 10 games. He had 41 plate appearances, 30, or excuse me, he had 35 at-bats. He was batting 171 with one home run and one RBI with 16 strikeouts. So almost half of his at-bats he struck out this season. And I know he only played 10 games, but he has never played more than 82 games in a season. And in four years, he's only played 186 games. And in one season, there's 162 games in one season. And in four years, he's only played a little over one season. And when they were both in the lineup, Voight and Bird, Voight was also struggling. I mean, he, he was playing better than Bird, but, you know, he, he wasn't the same Luke Voigt that we saw last year. And since Bird went down for the injury and Luke Voigt became the everyday starting first baseman, he's taken that role and ran with it. Um, he's batting 248. He has 10 home runs and 30 RBIs. He struck out only 39 times. I mean, he's, he leads the Yankees in strikeouts, I believe. But, I mean, that's without Judge and Stanton, obviously. But, um, you know, since Bird went down, Luke Voigt has ran away with the job. Now, do you think it's time for Bird to go? I, I think so. I think you have to give Luke Voigt this job. Yeah, Greg Bird's trade value is at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, I don't, I don't see a place for him. Like he's just constantly hurt. It's not like I don't think it's his fault, but I think, I think he just needs a fresh start. I feel like if he goes like to another team, I feel like it'd be better for him. 
Yeah. Guy, at this point, I feel like he's scrambling to come back just so he like gets his place on the team so he doesn't lose his first. But I feel like ever since the playoffs last year, I felt like Luke Voigt already took the job from him. Like going into this season, I didn't really see this as a competition. I I just kind of I just kind of felt that like Luke Voigt already there. Yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. I I just I think it's time for him to just move on, try to come back on another team, not within the division, and just move on with his career. See if he could. Because sometimes you just need to change the scenery. But yeah, Nick, I agree with you. The whole Voigt and Bird situation, I think it is time for Luke Voigt to take the job from Greg Bird. We are now joined by my Uncle Tony on the Eminence Sports Talk podcast. He's a big-time Yankee fan. He loves the Yankees, and he bleeds pinstripes. So let's talk some Aaron Boone, because I personally think that uh, Aaron Boone deserves a lot of credit for how the Yankees have been performing this year. I know a lot of people either love him or either hate him. I know my uncle, your brother, Uncle Vinny, I know he despises Aaron Boone and uh, for the different things that he does, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for the Yankees. You know, they're 22-15. and 15, They're second place in the AL East. They're a game and a half back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who the Yankees do play in their next upcoming series. Um, so I think Aaron Boone deserves a lot of credit keeping this Yankees team intact despite the, the amount of injuries that they've had, you know, over 12 injuries. Um, and the fact that they just kept having this next man up mentality, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But at the same time, though, I feel like he does deserve some criticism because of the way that he manages the bullpen. What are your thoughts? I like Aaron Boone. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, this team, with the amount of people that they've had on the IL, you think Judge hasn't played really. Stanton hasn't really played. Sanchez just came back from the IL. Hicks hasn't played. Um, Bird hasn't really done anything this year. Um, who am I missing? Severino hasn't played. Patances, yeah, you don't even think about Patances anymore. You know, I forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, who else? Didi hasn't played at all this year, and God knows what you're going to get when he comes back, if he comes back in, like, July. Yeah, I mean, or Montgomery has been out still since the Tommy John. Paxton yeah. is now in the yeah. IL. Um, I mean, right. Ellsbury hasn't played in years. Um, well, he's not – I don't even consider him a Yankee. Any, I don't know what he yeah. is. He's just uh, collecting a paycheck, I think. Yeah, pretty guy. much. I mean, Tulo was hurt. I know he wasn't a big part <clears throat> of this Yankees team, but, I mean – Oh, yeah, Tulo. I forgot about him, that he was even on this team. It's, it's weird. It's yeah, crazy. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I know I'm much younger than you are, but – in my almost 23 years of life, I've never experienced a team that, you know, I've been a fan of that has suffered the amount of injuries that they've had. Yeah. No, I think he's good. I, I, I like Boone. Um, you know, I guess when he took the job, everyone was saying like, oh, he's just going to be like a mouthpiece for Cashman and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think he's a good manager. He's got like fire. Um, he's already gotten thrown out already this year from a game. So I, I like Boone. Um as far as the bullpen, I mean, you know, you know, <clears throat> you got to figure when CC's going to pitch. You know, how many innings? He's actually pitched better than I thought he would. But uh, what's he really going to go? Five innings tops. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. Um, and you got to figure Betances is a huge part of his bullpen and hasn't even thrown a pitch for them this year. So you know, I guess all things considered. You're seven games over 500. You have a chance to, to be in sole position of first place by, by Monday. Uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's doing a good job uh, considering, you know, everything that's happened. And, uh, you know, you have guys like Gio Sherla, who's like, who's yeah, this guy? Exactly. You know? and, 
And like even last night, he got the game-winning hit to them. Mm-hmm. So he's been killing it. I mean, he yeah. leads the the team in batting average. I think he's batting like three fifty-four. Um, he's just been he's been very solid. But with the thing with Boone is just like I went to the game on Monday night. I spoke about this earlier with with Nick, and there was a situation where they took CC out. He was struggling like the fifth inning, or whatever. I forgot exactly what inning it was, but. He opted to bring in Jonathan Holder. Aaron Boone decided to bring in Jonathan Holder. He only got one out and ended up loading the bases. And then he brought in Adam Adovino to try to clean it up. Now, thankfully, Adovino came in, shut it down, got the two remaining outs, didn't give up any runs. But at the time, that was i mean—that was a big part of the game. And if, if uh, Adovino <clears throat> gave up a couple of hits, that game would have been completely different. Now, my thing is, yeah, you know, nothing negative happened, so why bother even bringing it up? But my thing is that, I mean, that, that was just one example of Aaron Boone just deciding to go with Jonathan Holder. And I feel like there's been many times this season where he's elected to go to Jonathan Holder. And Holder hasn't really been able to play at the level that he did last year. So my thinking is that it's a close game. It's, I mean, it wasn't like it was a must win. They were up 7-3 to three at the time, I believe, when Holder came in. But like I said, you know, base it there changes the, the, the way that game is being played for the rest of the time. But why not just go with Adovino to start that inning rather mm-hmm. than waiting until it gets to the point that it did and if you are going to go with holder you see he's struggling why wait until he loads the bases to bring in another guy regardless if it is out of you know or not like why would you why, why not make a move earlier i wonder if he's trying to preserve the bullpen and not like you know uh where the i mean it's, it's may whatever 15 10th yeah, or whatever 10th. it is uh so maybe he's just trying to preserve the bullpen and keep him fresh yeah. i don't know you know i i'm saying because like that's like that even though it's the fifth inning, that could be like potentially the, you know, the ninth inning for that game. And basically you're saving the game at that point. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and the fact that they've been struggling with like the injuries that they have, every win right now is, is very crucial. And yeah, it's early, whatever people say it's early, there's plenty of baseball left, but you know, this team is missing 12 guys right now. And, and most of those guys are very important pieces. They're starting pieces in this lineup. So any win that you can yeah. get now, it's like a must win right now. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, yeah, you you have a point, and then but they're they're also what they're doing is basically keeping their head above water. Right, I mean, they're doing more than that actually. Yeah, right now, which is good because if you think about you know the the July trade li- trade deadline and, and and a team gets a guy that's like oh my god, like when when the Mets got Cespedes that year and he was a you know a freaking beast for them and, and then propelled them into the World Series. The Yankees have Stanton coming back, Judge, Didi. Severino, Batantis. I mean, that's five guys off the top of my head that are like, you know, all-star mm-hmm. players. And that'll be like almost like uh, like, uh, like getting a trade when those guys come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a damn good trade too. And they don't have to give up anything to get those guys back because they're, they're on their exactly. team. Exactly. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, who knows? Because then when they come back, then you hope that the 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 uh, – the chemistry stays intact and that they, they can keep winning games, you know, cause you plug in a new guy and, and you're taking a guy out. Now you got to move the batting order around. So maybe, you know, a guy, you know, I don't know where Cheryl is hitting, where's he hitting? In the uh, I think it's like different almost every game. Like we said before, they've used almost up to over 30 different lineup changes. So it's, it's different mm-hmm. day in and day out. Okay. All right. So maybe that, that'll work to their advantage. They'll, you know, they'll just be like, all right, whatever. I'm in the lineup. I'm playing and go out and, and do what they can and perform and, and help the team mm-hmm. win. So Now, I want to bring up this point because I brought this up with Nick earlier, and I'm really curious to see like your take on this. We were kind of talking about how the young guys are, have been stepping up, like, like Estrada, like Urshela, and the fact that the Yankees are finding success 
but they're fighting it in a different way than, than they usually do the past couple of years. And what I mean by that is when you have Judge in the lineup and when you have Stanton and when you have Gregorius in the lineup, you know, it's a very power-heavy team, a very home-run-heavy team. And, yeah, this season they might not hit 300 home runs in, uh, combined as a team this year, but they're winning in other ways. They're doing it with the small ball. They're doing it with base hits, with high average. And, yeah, their home runs might be down right now because they don't have their, their home run hitters in the lineup. But I think that the way that they're playing now, they're, they're playing like at a, at a more efficient way than they, than they have been with, you know, it's either a home run or a strikeout. And mm-hmm. I think just with all these guys like DJ LeMahieu, who I spoke about earlier, with like Ush- Urshela, who's batting with a high average, I think they're playing the better way to play right now with the small ball type of way and not always relying either home run or strikeout. Well, I'm curious to see what you think about that. No, I, I agree. Uh, if you look at the perfect example of the division series last year against the Red Sox, I, I thought they were going to win that series. But, I mean, you know, they were like – you could say they were one hit away from winning. Even the game where Sanchez, uh, he flied out to end that game, you know, another inch, that ball was going to be about 500 feet. You know yeah. what I mean? So they they live and die by the home run. And, and I like that they're not doing that right now. I like that they're, they're putting bat on ball and, and getting on base and, uh, you know, a guy like LeMahieu, when he got the game-winning hit the other night, you know, that was perfect. Yeah. Like, it was, he slapped the ball the other way, and then Maven came flying around. And that, that, that play was a lot closer than I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't even think it was going to be close. Mm-hmm. Jay Bruce, give him credit, came through a pee back to home. And uh, it, was, it was a lot closer than I thought. But, like, that, you, you know, that's good, though. You're winning games other ways besides hitting a home run. You yeah, know? and I think that's only going to help them once their home run hitters do come back. Hopefully the hitting becomes contagious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Stanton is what he is. He's home run or strikeout. You know, he he's not going to hit three thirty and and hit forty home runs. It's not who he mm-hmm. is. Judge is pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, he does hit for a better average, but he... yes, yes, and he hits the ball the other way. He he's a better hitter than yeah, Stanton. I agree. Um, but he he strikes. Remember last year? Was it last year or was it the year before? <laughs> he struck out like every every day. He struck out like three times. Yeah, it's insanity. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy how he was striking out at, a, at an amazing clip. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I like that, you know, when they signed LeMayhew, I, I was kind of like, remember I was ta- telling you all the time, I was like, oh, they should get a, go after a guy like Marvin Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Um, I even felt like Daniel, Daniel Murphy would have been good for this team. And he's not even doing that well right now. He hasn't played as much because he was, he was yeah. hurt. But, uh, you know, I like it. I like the... Put the bat on the ball. You don't always have to hit a home mm-hmm. run. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to hit 300 home runs. They hit, they broke the record last year. And what did it make? What did it do for them? Nothing. Exactly. They got smoked by the Red mm-hmm. Sox. So. Didn't really, nothing to show for it. And, exactly. you know, speaking of DJ LeMahieu, I did bring this up with Nick earlier. And I, I, like I said before, I, right when they signed DJ LeMahieu, and you could go check my Twitter. I said that early, this earlier too. I was one of the first people to say this was a great, great signing by the Yankees because he's a guy that's not going to strike out a whole bunch. He's not going to hit a whole bunch of home runs, but he's going to hit for a high average and move runners. And he's so far this season, I think he's batting over 500 runners in scoring position. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Like, I didn't know much about him. I knew he won won a batting title, but you figure, all right, he was playing with the Rockies, everyone in in Colorado and blah, blah, blah. and to be fair, like, I never really saw him play that much. And now seeing him more on a consistent basis, I like. I mean, the guy is great with the glove. Yeah. And, and he hits the ball. I mean, he has one home run this year, but who cares? Mm-hmm. He's hitting 
whatever. I don't know. I don't know exact average, but I know he's he and exactly what you said. Runners in scoring position, he's getting the job done. How much more can you ask for? Exactly. And this season, he is batting three forty four. And I mean, he he's one of the league leaders because I don't think Urshela qualifies because I don't think he played in enough games yet to qualify for like the league leading stats or whatever. But I mean. Right. Take away Urshela's three fifty four batting average. DJ LeMahieu was one of the league leaders at three forty four. Yeah, no, he, he's been great this year. I, I mean, no complaints. I, I like the guy, he, and he actually had a little slump for a little yeah, while. Yeah, well, for a couple. You know, he, he didn't, well, hit. didn't he get hurt? But he, it wasn't like a major injury, right? Something with the knee or something to that mm-hmm. effect. But uh, but no, he's he's been great this year. Yeah. Nothing, and it's funny because. You know, Glaber Torres hasn't really done much this year. Mm-hmm. Not like the way he um, pre- produced last year. No, Andujar. I mean, I know he just came back from the shoulder injury, yeah. but he hasn't. He hasn't really started hitting yet. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think the team's going to be all right. You know, once and then especially once they get other guys back, and I think you know, I don't know. I mean, you never know. The Red Sox are they're at five hundred now, so yeah, they're know, slowly you know, coming back. Yeah, you knew they weren't going to be. You know. 20 games under 500 wasn't going to happen. Yeah, so I think, you know, like the like we were saying, that the young guys have definitely stepped up. And like I said, you know, every game counts right now because no one's here. And then sure enough, you know, the Red Sox are slowly but surely making their way back into relevancy. So, you know, let's just let's just say the Yankees didn't play well. And let's just say that these young guys weren't performing. You know, we'd be talking about a different Yankees team right now. We'd be looking at it like, oh. all right, well, this season's a bust. Well, let's look again until next season, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Started sure. off the way they did last year. Well, that was that was that was been hard to do because I mean last year, what what are they? They're nineteen and nineteen, so that's thirty eight games. At this point last year, they were probably what, you know, thirty and eight. Yeah, at this they were. Point, you know, it was something yeah. crazy. Even if like they were that. remotely close to last year, they would they, the Yankees would have been in bad shape because the Rays would have been as yeah. good as they are now. The Red Sox would have been probably around the same. Let's just say, and then if the Yankees, let's just say the Yankees struggled the way the Red Sox did, the Yankees would be the ones in third place right now, having to jump two teams. Right. No. And they would probably, and the Red Sox are only five games mm-hmm. out. Um, There's plenty of baseball know, left for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't have anyone hurt too. That's I mean, I mean, they don't have anyone hurt to the extent that the Yankees do, and the fact that they're struggling yeah. now with with all their guns there. So I mean, I mean, it, I think it's definitely good that the Yankees have been playing it the way they are. I mentioned earlier we talked about Urshela and and Duhar. Um, I think Urshela has been great for the Yankees. DJ Mayhew, like we said, have been great. Um, Aaron Boone, I know we we spoke about him a little bit. Now let's. Let's shift gears now and talk a little bit about Aaron Judge now. I mean, I'm starting to get a little worried. Now, I know I teased this earlier in the episode. Um, my, my opinion on Judge, I, mean, I feel like he's becoming an injury-prone injury player. And the reason why, this is now two straight years where he's missed significant time with significant injuries. Now, I know you can mm-hmm. say last year wasn't his fault. You know, it was just a freak accident. He got hit in the wrist with a, with a fastball. I get it. But, I mean, this year he, he pulled his oblique swinging a baseball bat. And last year when he broke his wrist, the timetable, I think, what, what was it, like two, three weeks or something like that, that he'll be back or something short, maybe six weeks, whatever. Right. But he ended up missing about almost 50 games last year. And this season, the same thing. They kind of learned from their mistakes. They didn't really give like a, a short enough timetable because they don't want to do, they don't want to go the same route they did the last year. But I mean, he's already missed like what, two weeks, two, three weeks now since he pulled his oblique and mm-hmm. no one knows when he's coming back. And I look at him the way I look at big men in the NBA because you have to remember he is a big man. He, he's not your average size baseball player. And when people right. are freakishly oversized in the NBA, their bodies tend to break down a lot sooner than the smaller people, and they tend to be injury prone. Perfect example is like 
Greg Oden or Joel Embiid of the 76ers. He's a great player, but he's constantly hurt. And I, I'm starting to think it's the same thing with Judge now. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you can't really – I don't know if you can count last year because it really wasn't his fault. And he got hit. And it, um, and when they were saying, like, the bone, the bone chip and this and that, and it's like a, a funny injury and stuff like that, you know, we might not see him – with May 10th, you know, you you might not see him until June, you know, with this injury because the obliques. They're tricky. It's a funny injury. Yeah, it takes it takes a while to heal. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's injury prone, but I do agree with what you're saying. He is a bigger guy. So, you know, I guess I'm sure the Yankees know this. They they would have to take more, better care, like his flexibility. Um, it's not always just, you know, bench pressing 700 <laughs> pounds. You know, he's got to work on like yeah. four. And cardio and, and, and yeah, cardio mm-hmm. and maintaining flexibility and stuff like that. That that's more important. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to call him injury prone, but you know, it, it it's it's not good when when your top guy is is and he is the best player on that team. Yeah, absolutely. Team when uh when he goes down with an injury like this, it, you know. But but luckily, you know. They're opening, you know, if you think about their opening lineup for the outfield, it's supposed to be what? Stanton, Hicks, and yeah. Judge. And all three of those guys are on the <laughs> Yeah, and then you could even say Clint Frazier, and too, who got are... hurt. I mean, I know he's back, but yeah. he was looked at because, you know, Gardner was struggling, and Stanton was your part-time DH, too. So Clint was supposed to be, like, not every day, but he was supposed to fill in for Gardy whenever he needed a day off for Judge, and he went down, too. And then Hicks, as well, is hurt. Yeah. And, oh, Hicks, yeah. Hicks and, um, what's his name? Ellsbury. I mean, I know Ellsbury, like you said, you don't you don't count him as a Yankee anymore. But I mean, you Brian Cashman came out after this offseason and said we didn't bother going for Bryce Harper because we have too many outfielders. And sure enough, here on May 10th, now you don't have enough outfielders. You had to go out and sign Pat, uh, not Patrick Corbin. What's his name? Corbin Maben. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I don't regret them not getting uh, Harper either or, or Machado. You kn- you know how I felt about both of those guys. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you know, guys are stepping up, and that and that's really what you need when when you have injuries. No matter what what team you are, and what sport you are, it doesn't matter. When you have an injury, and a guy fills in, you need that guy to step up. And and you know, you you're not expecting Guardy to be Aaron Judge right now, especially at this point in his mm-hmm. career. And he never was Judge yeah. anyway. But you want, and he's been doing. He's had a you know, he started off slow, but he's picking it up too. I mean, Guardy. I, I was kind of funny with them resigning. I wasn't sure like how I felt about it. Like you know, like do you really need this guy yeah. at this point in your career? But it, you know, the guy's a pro. He knows what he's doing. So you know, he is what he is at this point in his career. He's a, he's a a plus defender. You know, I'd say he's he's average with the with the bat. And then you know, yeah, he's you'll get that rare rare time where he'll steal a base and he's not standing <laughs> there like a statue. Yeah. <laughs> I think his value really comes on the defensive end and the fact that he's like a veteran and this is like the 10-year ten ten anniversary of their 2009 World Series. So, I mean, I feel like there was other factors too, but I think definitely it was his glove that ultimately made the Yankees want to resign him. I mean, because clearly Clint Frazier, as good as he – I know earlier I spoke about him, I'm, how I'm not a big of uh, a fan, but, I mean, his defense isn't there. I mean, his bat might be there, but his defense clearly lacks. So I think that's where mm-hmm. they really looked at being like, all right, well, yeah, Clint Frazier's bat is a lot better than than um than Gardner's bat, but Gardner's glove is a lot better than Clint's. And when you have at the time you had Stanton healthy, you had Judge healthy, 
at the time, maybe they looked at it and said, we'd rather have a sure outfielder, a guy out there that can catch the ball and will, you know, will make up for his lack of hitting. So I feel like that's why, like, that's kind of like the thought process of the whole thing. But, I mean, now obviously they need to yeah. count on Clint Frazier a lot more. In the past few weeks, he's been dropping a lot of balls out there. Um, a couple of days ago, there was a there was a fly ball when Tanaka was picking. That, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that play, if you're Frazier, you got to, like, especially Guardy's the center fielder. He's the general out there. You got to let him – you can't have that ball. That's like, you know, that's like peewee league stuff that yeah. happens. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't be having that in the uh, – in, in a, in a yeah. big league game, especially when you have a guy like Gardner's the general out there, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And I was about a fielder. Yeah, and I was, I was about to say, like, in that situation, Gardner has to be the guy that calls off Clint Frazier. He's the vet, like you said, he's yeah. the general out there. Not only that, he's the center fielder, and center fielder has um, control out there. He's the guy, if he, want, if he feels yeah. like he can make the catch, he has to be the one to get it. So, yeah, I mean, you can yeah. place some of the blame on Clint because he should have been more vocal, been a little bit more aggressive. But at the end of the day, I think that was on Gardner. Yeah, I agree. Gardner should have been, and I'm sure they talked about that, you know, afterwards. Like, look, man, it's something like that. If I if I'm there, if I can get to the ball, and and for the most part, to be fair, Gardner, he catches everything. Yeah. I mean, they can hit the ball over his head, and he's flying back, and he catches. He's very mm-hmm. very good. I mean, defensive wise, the guy's he's he's great. He's a gold lover. Um, yeah, yeah, nah, he's he's fantastic, and um. I'm sure he told him, like, look, man, you know, I'm center fielder. You got to, like, respect what I'm saying. Like, if I'm there, back off because I, I got to – I'll get, I'll get yeah. the ball, you know. And I'm sure he, he's probably doing that in a good, um, you know, clubhouse yeah, leader type professional way. way. He's not going to be like, look, man, don't be a jerk and get mm-hmm. in my way. He's going to say, with, respect. You know, look, you know, I'm out there. I, I'll get yeah. it. Um, so let's take a look at the Yankees. I know, I know uh, you were saying you, we were texting a little bit earlier and you said that the Yankees have a big series coming up with the Rays. They're playing the first place Rays and you think that they should get two out of three minimum against the Rays. What's, what's your thoughts yeah. heading into the series? I'm curious. I think there's going to be, I, I'm curious to see how many people actually show up because it's, it's so weird with baseball in Florida, mm-hmm. whether it's the, the Rays or the Marlins. I know the Marlins are no good, but. Um, and this game's in Tampa? Or serious? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I think the Yankees, they got to come out aggressive. I think tonight, they really, you know, any big game series, any big game series, you want to get game one. Yeah. I think tonight is a big game for the Yankees. And the Yankees have, quote unquote, their ace going tonight. So we'll see how, how Jermon holds up today, mm-hmm. you know. He's been like the ace of the staff so far. He's... He leads the. He's one of the league leaders in the top, in both leagues, American League and National League. He has six wins this season. He's six and one with like a two three five ERA. Just phenomenal. He's third in the American League in ERA. He's tied for first with three other pitchers in the entire Major League Baseball in wins. And I, I know he hasn't been pitching. I said this earlier too, but I know he hasn't been pitching like the amount of innings that some of the elite pitchers do pitch. Maybe that's because because maybe they're monitoring monitoring his innings or whatever. But I mean, he's been lights out for them this year and and. I was talking to Nick earlier. I mean, you look at his stats last year. He had over, I think it was like a 5.57 ERA. And the fact that he's flipped the switch this drastically, I mean, I think he has to be one of the, the front runners for most improved for this season. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's great. I, you know, you, you give him a pass last year because it was his first year. 
But um, even wasn't his first game like he had a perfect game or or no hitter through like six innings or something like that? Remember? Yes, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, last season was his first full season. He did pitch in 2015, 2017, Excuse me. He had a uh, three fourteen ERA, but last year he was two two and six, five five seven, and eighty five and two thirds innings. But yeah, I do remember that he was uh, his slider was like devastating last year. Like he was constantly getting strikeouts for that. He had great great stuff. He, I mean, his stuff is electric. He has very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I think he's maturing now, you know, and hopefully he's gonna be that guy. You know, you you can never have too much pitching, so hopefully he he keeps it up and and keeps improving. And who knows who's talking to him, whether it's Rothschild or or maybe, you know, you Seve, think about maybe. Severino. Well, you think about him, and it's funny because Pedro Martinez was was tutoring him, and you know. I, and for me, for all the pitchers I've seen pitch, Pedro Martinez was the best pitcher. I know he's a Red Sox and all that crap, but the guy was the best pitcher I've ever seen pitch. Mm-hmm. For him to, to give wisdom to a Yankee and, you know, it, it, it probably – you got to – I don't know. I don't know what happened with Severino in the end of the year because he kind of like flamed out. That's, always, that's his always year, thing though. He always starts off like the past two years. He's always had a good first half and then just kind of got, kind of got like tired the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, he, you know, I don't know, with the shoulder yeah, and I mean, all this. We don't so. even know how he's going to perform. And I was talking to Nick about this, like, even with Paxton, too, because he's he's dealing with left knee mm. problems. And that's that's Paxton's drive leg when he's pitching. So, like, what mm-hmm. happens if Seve and, and Paxton come back and, like, they aren't the same pitchers? And um, one thing I want to ask you, I didn't ask this to Nick, but I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. Let's just say Domingo Herman has a career year, right? Like, he continues this. He's dominant all year. I wouldn't say dominant, but, like, let's just say he has, like, sort of like the numbers he has now before a full season, right? And Seve comes mm-hmm. back whenever and he struggles. Going into next season, like, who is your ace? Are you still going to have Seve as your number one guy? I mean, you're still going to have Paxton. So, I mean, I know Herman's young. He's, he'll be 27 heading into next year. But over the course of this season, if he continues to dominate Herman and Seve continues to struggle or maybe he doesn't come back at all, who are you, like, who are you going with next year? Who do you have the most confidence in next year, Herman or Seve? Well, if Seve doesn't pitch at all this year, then you got to have Jermon. But um, you got to see how how Severino responds when he comes back and see how he pitches. You know, um, I mean, if you can have him when he comes back, you know, and be that dominant guy, now you have now now it's a different thing. Now you're looking at okay, you can have Severino, Jermon, um, ten, well. Tanaka, because I I never liked Tanaka that much, but I mean the guy. He's always there. I mean, you know, he, what was his first year here that you know with the elbow yeah. thing, and and the guy's pitched. So I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I probably don't give enough credit to Tanaka. I mean, I have to agree with you because I brought this up early with Nick too with the whole Tanaka thing. Um, I mean, I just feel like he's not like that pitcher that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, he was lights out in Japan in his final season out in Japan. And then he was undefeated in his final year. And then, like you said, with the whole elbow thing. And I feel like so far in his Yankee career, he hasn't really been that pitcher that everyone expected him to, because his elbow is like a ticking time bomb. Cause it is torn. It's just not like mm-hmm. completely torn to the part, to the fact that he needs the surgery to get it repaired. Right. Uh, well, whatever. I don't know. You know, he's got what, two more years. I think so. Him, yeah. So two or three. It holds up, you know. I, I mean, you know, you don't know. Yeah, I mean, but he has you know. come through in the playoffs where it has mattered most. I mean, he's been the most consistent Yankees postseason pitcher so far. Yeah, he's been great in the postseason. Um, 
even in in 2017 when they were and I was pissed when they lost that game seven, man. But I mean that series mm-hmm. against the Astros, he was great. Yeah, he was great. And you could even say that 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 uh, Gary Sanchez is the one that really cost them that game because of that drop ball when Altuve came oh, around yeah. and scored. I mean. Oh yeah, he Altuve. He could have. He could have been waiting for Altuve. Yeah, exactly. I ball. remember there was like a like a screenshot of the ball like hitting yeah, his gloves, yeah. and Altuve was about ten yeah. feet away from home plate. Right, he wasn't even in. The, yeah, in the shot. it was just it's like I, I will never at that moment forever in my life. If the Yankees never win a championship like with this core group, I will always look back and be like that was the biggest wasted of opportunity ever because they twenty they they you know twenty seventeen they weren't expected to do anything and. The way that season ended, I mean, it was it was tough, you know. Like, I really thought they were, I thought they were better than than. Yeah, Astros. I agree. I really did, and um, and they were up three to two in that series, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be this would be crazy, you know. Especially, it would have been Yankees Dodgers. Yeah, and I mean, they were coming off that crazy Indian series too, the, the right before yeah, that. Yeah, they were down 0 two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the Indians won like what? That was the year the Indians won like twenty three. Oh games yeah, in you're a row right. Yeah, I forgot like about that. Like going into the postseason, yeah. they, were, they were insane. And then you remember when Bird yeah. hit that crazy home run off of Andrew Miller? Yeah, uh, it was yep. like the last yep. time Bird was relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. I don't know about Bird, man. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, yeah. who knows if he's you know what is it with him now? The the foot, right? The plantar, plantar fasciitis. Right. Yeah, I, like my stance on the Bird and Voight situation is, I think now it's Voight's time to like take first baseman um that, that position yeah because when you think about it like like bird has been at the yankees since what 2015 and since yeah. then he hasn't really been able to stay on the field and when you look at both no. bird and Voigt this season when they were both playing they were both struggling at the beginning of the year but Voigt was playing a little bit better than um bird was like bird was batting and i think he was in 10 10 um games he was batting 171 one home run one rbi and Voight, I mean, I don't remember his numbers at the time, but, I mean, he wasn't doing w- that much better than Bird. But once Bird went back on the IEL, Voight has really ran away with his job. And I think he now has the confidence knowing that it's his position. And I think it's time for Bird to move oh. on. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I mean, I I guess you got to see where he comes back, you know, or when he comes back, if he comes back. Like, the guy's, you know, he's, he's made of glass, you know, and the guy's <laughs> always hurt, so – I don't know. I, I'm not a big Bird guy, so I, I can't. I, I think the Yankees are higher on Bird than I yeah, am. Yeah, I mean, so. clearly, because like they've kept him since 2015, and he hasn't done anything. And there, I said right. this earlier. I saw this stat before with Nick, and it was mind blowing. In four seasons that he's been with the Yankees, Bird has played 184 games. I think it was. It was either 184 or 183. Let me see. I still have it here. Let me pull it up quick. It was 186 actually. In four years, he's played mm-hmm. 186. One full season no, is 162. So in four years, he's only played what, like almost like a little over 20 games. Like it's right. just crazy. And the fact that they still continue to throw him out there, regardless of like how bad he's playing, it's just mind blowing. I, I wonder if they're just thinking like, man, this guy's a with his swing, he's exactly. a lefty. He could be, you know, he could be crushing 30, 40 home runs, especially in Yankee year, Stadium if he was healthy. Especially huh? in Yankee Stadium and being a lefty. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. I mean, I think that's really the only thing he, he's got I mean his glove he's all right you know he's not you know he's not to share or yeah, anything no, but like he is that, better a little like, bit than Voight at first base defensively though yeah no he's, he's not bad I'm not you know he's not a bad defensive first baseman but you know and, and even hitting like the guy I, I don't know if you remember but um 
I forgot who who the he was being compared with. It was him. It was definitely Judge, and I think Sanchez. And I believe that they were saying that the Yankees believed that Bird had the highest uh, potential of all three of those guys, yeah. and it's and he's really been the worst. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, them, that's so. crazy. You know, you know, whatever. You know, scouting. You could be dead on, or you could be like really, really off. Mm-hmm. You know, so exactly. But you know, I, I if, if we didn't see Bird anymore, I mean, whatever. I'm not going to be like, yeah, oh, I wouldn't no, be upset you know, either. But, no, no. But but then again, you know, I like Boyd. Um, I mean, it's, it is still too early to to really like say that uh, Boyd is like you know your future first baseman because he hasn't really even played a right. full season yet, going back to last year, but. When you look at his numbers, going back to the to his first game last season, in that time frame, I, I don't know how many at-bats that was, but since his first at-bat up until now, um, up until like last week when I heard the stat, I don't know if it's changed now, but he has the – I think he's tied with Christian Yelich or has just the amount of home runs as Christian Yelich has in that time frame. Yeah, no, I mean, he's been good. I, um, he's not, you know, he's not a, a – 300 hitter but i mean he's got pop and he has flair he brings and, he brings a swag to the yeah. game that bird never had yeah 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 like i love when he hits the yeah. ball and he's just like jumping around as he's going up to first base you know what i'm talking right. about like he kind of like hops yeah, a little yeah. bit yeah he has a little manny uh the sammy sosa hop kind yeah. of deal thing going yeah yeah but we'll see where this goes you know i'm interested to see how this yankee season plays out what's uh i know you weren't you weren't uh on the show when we did our early season prediction but they won 162 last year. I don't know. I, I think they'll win. I, I don't know if they'll win 100, but I think they'll definitely win like 95 games mm-hmm. this year. And then year. How, far do you, how far do you think you could uh, – how far do you think they're going to go in the playoffs then? Do you think they'll get the wild card division? No, I think they're going to win the division this year. I really – I felt that, you know, um, I felt that at the beginning of the year because I'm just like – there's no way the Red Sox are going to have the year that they had. It's it's almost impossible to do what they did. Everything just went right for them last yeah. year. Um, I mean the Rays, the Rays, the Rays are good. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're um, very. Everyone sleeps on them. They won 90 games last yeah. year. I know no one expected yeah, them to do anything, but I mean they're still in there. I know. They got the Cy Young winner too. Yeah, they got Snell. Yeah, and they, they got um. Didn't they get Charlie Morton? Right, they got him too. He was on the Astros. I think so yeah, He's, you know, and um, no, they they're a good team. I still think the Yankees are going to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, how far are they going to go? I don't know. Um, it, it's hard to say that because you can have the best team in the, in the world playing the worst team, and it's whoever's hot at that moment can win, win the series. Derek Jeter said it best. The yeah. best teams make the playoffs. The hottest teams win in the mm-hmm. playoffs. So, and, and that, you know, you know how I am with Jeter. Yeah. Like, that was one of the best things. He, he made sense with that. He was right on with that. So. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I'm hoping they. I'm hoping it's a Yankees. Uh, I don't know. Yankees Cubs. Yankees. <laughs> Yankees Dodgers would be cool. Yankees Cubs would be great though. That really would be. Yeah, great. I agree. That would be. Uh, that would probably be like a. Uh, you know. There would be like more celebrities in the in the stand than anybody oh, yeah. else for that kind Absolutely. of World Series. You know. And the yeah. fact that they're both kind of like the same team. I mean, I know the Yankees haven't won a championship, but the Cubs were a very young team. They they finally broke that 108-year curse, and since then they kind of seem like they've been hungover since that championship. But I mean, yeah. it's kind of like the same thing with the Yankees. They're a good young team. They had a really good first year together. Obviously, they didn't win the championship. They came up short. 
But, I mean, it'll, it, it'll be two young teams with a bunch of young stars on it going off against each other. And I think that'll be great for yeah. baseball. To... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and if you think of the Yankees are the big market team and the Cubs are a big market. I mean, that, that would be like – that would be a, a dream come true. World. The, you know baseball would love that because their ratings would probably be like insane. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, no, that would be great. That would be a great World Series. Yeah. Two, like, uh, old school franchises. You know, it would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well – I want to say thank you for hopping on the show with us today, Tony. All right, man. Thank you. It was great. I yeah, had, had hopefully, a good time. Hopefully you can come back on again sometime in the future. Yeah, no, hopefully we'll do a – maybe we'll do like a, a playoff preview with the Yankees, hopefully, uh, as the AL East uh, winners, you know, and yeah, go from absolutely. there. Absolutely. But, yeah, we'll definitely have you back on around the playoff time. Maybe maybe even around the All-Star break, too, we'll have you jump on again, talk a little Yankees, maybe a little baseball in general, yeah. see how everything's going. That, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. We could talk about, like, trade, you know, possible trades, see if the Yankees exactly. maybe go for Bumgarner if they're, if they're, you know, I don't know, whatever. I don't know how good Bumgarner is yeah. anymore, but still. I know you're you in know? love with him. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, he's not who he was when the Giants won all those World Series, yeah. but, you know. The, the the postseason experience definitely helps. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but we'll see. Thanks again for joining. All right, well, thanks yeah, for no having problem. me. Have a great rest of your day. All right, you too. Yeah. So, thanks again, Tony, for joining us in Eminent Sports Talk Podcast. I had a great time. I hope you did as well. So, Nick, let's talk about the Yankees' starting staff now. I know we mentioned a little earlier that the Yankees should have went out and and signed um, Patrick Corbin. I know there was something with the years and the money that that ultimately ultimately um, stalled the negotiations and he ended up signing with the Nationals. But I really, really want to talk about Domingo Herman, man. He's been having a phenomenal season and no one is talking about it. It really is surprising that not one person has been talking about Domingo Herman's dominance. Um, in 38 innings pitched, I know he hasn't pitched as many innings as, as some of the mo- more elite pitchers because they're kind of like, I don't know if they're monitoring his innings or whatnot, but when he pitches, he pitches at a high level. And this season... Um, he has a 2.35 ERA. He is 6-1 and one overall with 39 strikeouts. Now, he is tied for first place in major leagues with the, with the wins. He is tied with Jose Bur- uh, Barrios, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, with the Minnesota Twins, and then Tyler Glasnow with Tampa Bay. And the three of them all have six wins and leads the majors, not only the AL, but the majors as well. No one in the NL has six wins. And he is also third in the AL, in ERA with 2.35 and he has just been a very underrated pitcher so far. And I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about him and he really stepped up his game from last year. Yeah. Domingo Oman, every time he starts, he just eats everyone lunch and mm-hmm. he's been, he's been my guy. He's been pretty solid every, every start. And I was, I was surprised to see it. Like when he came up and did a couple starts last year, uh, I saw him just as pretty green. I think he needed a little more time to develop his, his pitches, his velocity, yeah. basically everything. He just needed to hone it down. And I don't know what he did, what what they helped him with, but I think it worked. He ate his Wheaties, ate his vegetables. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, they like, did, it worked. And talking about last season, he was 2-6 and six last year with a 5.57 ERA in 85.2 innings. And talk about, like, a, a turnaround. He might be in contention for most improved player, you know, like – he went from being two and six with a five five seven to six and one, a league leading six and one with a two point three five ERA, his best ERA in his three years ever. Um, and like I said, man, I mean, I know I know his innings aren't 
aren't up there like some of the more elite pitchers in baseball, but people can't you, you got to stop sleeping on Domingo and he's clearly been the ace of this staff so far this season and he really stepped up and he's been a huge reason why the Yankees are in the position that they are now. Yeah, he's he's been pretty much the the savvy of this season. He's basically mm-hmm. stepped up and been pretty much the go-to starter as of right now and I mean if he keeps it going, I could see him being considered the the ace of the staff if he's going to do this. Yeah, at a consistent and- level. And now, like, I know we spoke about J.A. Happ earlier in the show, in the episode, but, you know, I, I do have to say I was a J.A. Happ fan. I did want the Yankees to re-sign him. But, you know, looking back, man, it just doesn't seem like it was a very smart move. This season, he's 2-3 and three with a 4.36 ERA. He is 36 years of age, but last season with the Yankees, he had a 2.69 ERA in seven starts. He was 7-0. and oh. And in the 16 starts that he was with Toronto in the beginning of last season prior to being traded, he had a 4.18 ERA. And he hasn't had an ERA under three since 2015 where um, – no, excuse me, since uh, back in – I don't even think he's ever had one under three. Oh, back in 2009, he had a 2.93. And I'm, I'm not including the splits between different teams like in the middle of the season. But this was a guy who he's up there in age. He's old. He's like a CC-type player. And, man, I just – I hope he doesn't drag the Yankees this season. I hope the two years that they signed him to don't come back to bite him. Yeah, I, I think that signing him was not a bad move, not a good move. I just think he's a very pedestrian pitcher in the sense that he – I think he's just very average. He's not, like, going to wow you with his stuff. But I feel like last year was the best of what he could be. Mm-hmm. And I think of right now – I think he could be better, but I think – more or less we're seeing of what he really is and just like not a bad not a good not necessarily not a good not a bad not a great pitcher just kind of middle of the road starter that gets the job done maybe we'll give up three to four runs on an average day but if you give him run support could rack up some wins yeah and then finally let's talk a little bit about cc sabathia now we mentioned earlier that uh he's definitely retiring after this year he's played 19 years he's 38 years old and this season he's been He's been playing pretty well this season. He's he has he's having the best season this year since about 2012-2011, right in the beginning of his tenure with the Yankees. And if you remember, you know, a couple of years back in 2014, he really struggled. He had a 5.28 ERA, then in 2015 he had a 4.73. And since 2015 where he had the 4.73, you could even say since he peaked with the with his highest of uh, his highest ERA of his entire career back in 2014 when he had a 5.28. Since then, He's been gra- um, gradually getting better and better. 2015, like I said, he had a 4.73. 2016, 3.91. 2017, 3.69. Then back to last year with a 3.65. And this year he has a 2, uh, excuse me, a 3.20. So it seems like he's really been able to like adjust to his body, adjust to his age, and adjust to this new generation of baseball and really perform well and perform at a high level. Yeah, I kind of I like what CC's becoming. He's kind of becoming just the uh... – the wise, the wise veteran that everyone's looking out to, he just is just kind of laid back and just going with the flow. I mm-hmm. feel like he's he's retiring, so I feel like he's just having fun out there, and I feel like that's really helped elevate his game. I feel like before he was trying to make a not not make a comeback, but like kind of prove that he still has it, and I feel like mm-hmm. that kind of not diminished, but like kind of just. It, what everything, what, what his stuff, I feel like he was trying 
too hard. I feel like he was trying to force things. But I feel like now he's just out there having fun and just letting things go as they lie. And I feel like it's working out for him because he's just yeah. going out there playing baseball. And I feel like that's the, that's like the same attitude the hitters should have. They shouldn't go out, like we said before, they shouldn't go out there and just try to hit bombs. They should just try to hit the ball. And the same thing with CeCe. Not necessarily force things, but just pitch and just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And, of course, his innings aren't going to be up there. The Yankees really only – they don't really push him anywhere past five innings. That was evident on Monday night when we were at the game. He kind of – he was cruising through the first three and then kind of gave up a couple runs in the fourth. And then I think he gave up another run in the fifth or so. I could be wrong about that. Um, but, I mean, he always usually gives you about four to five quality innings. But that's to be expected. He's 38 years old. He's getting up there in age. He's been, you know, he's a, he's been a dominant pitcher his entire career. He won a championship with the Yankees. So, you know, I think he's, like you said, he's a great locker room guy. He's embraced the whole, you know, like we said about the fog machine and the strobe lights. He's embraced that culture. And he, he's just having fun in his final season. Yeah, I like it. I wish I wish CC luck, and I hope they bring home the chip for him this year. We'll find out. Yeah, but this has been episode six of the Eminent Podcast. I had a great time. What do you say, Nick? I had a I had a fantastic time, Mark. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> I could uh, I could hear the sarcasm in your voice. What do you mean, bro? I was being a hundred percent dead serious. <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MN Sports Talk Pod. Feel free to ask us any questions, give us any comments from prior shows, and please, please, please give us feedback. We'd love to know how we're doing. We'd love to know what you guys think of the show. And uh, thank you, everybody. For, for Nick Rivera, I'm Mark Morales. This has been Episode 6 of MNN Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you again to my Uncle Tony for having a, a guest Tony. appearance on the show. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Keep an eye on our Twitter and Instagram for any updates. Next week, we're going to talk Knicks. You know, we have the draft lottery coming on Tuesday night. Hopefully, the Knicks get the first overall pick, and if not the first, then the second. But stick around, listen, um, keep an eye out for any updates regarding that episode, episode seven. Um, thank you, everybody. This has been episode six, Eminent Sports Talk Podcast. Peace out. Oh, I can't wait till the next get the fourth. <laughs>